welcome to the 180th episode of the Young Terps podcast from the Viner Fourgate Studio. This is your host, Mason Viner. And your co-host, Jordan Viner. And on today's podcast, we have a long list of Terrapin rundown items, and we'll talk briefly about the Terps' Christmas Day loss to Purdue and all about last night's win over the number six Wisconsin Badgers. Before we get to that, this podcast is brought to you by Allied Party Rentals, your hometown Terrapin party rental resource. Allied has what you need, whether you're hosting any kind of event outside. They have the tents, chairs, linens, china, and other accessories that you are looking for to host your event in 2020 fashion and soon to be 2021 fashion. Located right next to College Park in Beltsville, Maryland, and serving the entire DMV today, you can reach Allied at 301-986-0067 or on the web at alliedpartyrentals.com. Jordan, time for a long overdue Terrapin rundown. Yes, our first nearly three weeks. And Mason, before we actually get into it today, I just realized this is probably the last episode of this year for us. Yeah, I definitely think so. Uh, based on the basketball season, we'll really see how it how it plays out. But I, I'm I think this is it for 2020. It's been a tough year. Started off really good for the Terps with that basketball uh, regular season championship win, but tough year all around for all kinds of businesses, and and definitely this podcast in Maryland athletics. Yeah, it is, and we're not going to be the 90th people to t- talk about how this year sucked. We already know that. And it really did from the sports perspective, really did for the Terps specifically, as we got robbed of what could have been a special championship, and maybe not championship, but a deep uh, tournament run. And it, it does suck. And we'll bounce back stronger. It's all we can do. And not going to harp out too much, but uh, for the Terps at least, I guess it wasn't all bad. And let's get into the rundown, Mason. Well, before we do that, for us personally, though, there's been quite quite a handful of accomplishments this year. Yeah. Uh, when it comes to this podcast, of course, 180 episodes deep now. Uh, I, I caught the pleasure and, and thank you guys for all listening because it, it gave me the ability this last year to really accomplish some life goals. You know, I called games at Jacksonville University on ESPN Plus, lacrosse, basketball, uh, volleyball between 2019-2020 season. Jordan, you're moving on to uh, graduate school and are a college graduate. I think we mentioned that one on the last podcast. Yep, and achieving one of my career goals as a graduate assistant at Temple University. I'm super excited to that. Future of the podcast is in some question at the moment because of that, but we'll hopefully get the resolved soon. Um, but yes, for us personally, we did get some good things done. It doesn't really compensate for the year we had outside of our little bubble here, but hey, hopefully next year is better. Hopefully we get a full slate of sports next season, and hopefully the fans will be back in the stands in September because honestly, few things will make me happier than that. Yeah, same here. Uh, on the rundown, where where are we getting started with that one? We were starting on the non-rev report um, with baseball. So infielder Maxwell Costas, a name I'm sure you're familiar with by now as so Maryland fans, was named as a 2020 preseason third-team All-American by Collegiate Baseball Magazine on Tuesday. Uh, Costas was having quite a season last year, I believe batting near 400 average before the season was suspended. Granted, it was only like eight games or something. Uh, but he's certainly a name, especially now, he, this will be his third season technically for baseball. Uh, watch for his name on draft boards because he might be the latest Terp to really succeed in the MLB. Yeah, and Jordan, uh, quick correction, 2021 preseason. Oh, did I say 2020? My bad. Yeah, men's soccer alum uh, Dane St. Clair was called up to the Canadian men's national team for soccer. 
And uh, a big piece of news from out of yesterday for Terp Nation, All-American lacrosse player Jared Bernhardt returns for a fifth year next season uh, in what I started to expect given what was going on with D2 football, which is where Jared was heading. Uh, but he, he elects to stick with the Terps, giving Maryland, uh, along with Duke, two of the high-powered offenses in college lacrosse. And, and really, uh, Bruce told me yesterday, and I, and I tend to believe this one, there's a strong chance we're seeing Maryland and Duke on Memorial Day. Yes, there is. Uh, hopefully, well, it's not an own possibility. It wouldn't be that might have some people in attendance for it. We'll hope that is the case. But, yeah, for those who weren't really following, this is crazy. I mean, Jared Bernhardt, of course, All-American at Maryland, and then he decides he wants to play football instead and goes to Ferris State, the Division II powerhouse in Michigan. And then, you know, this whole virus happens. The season doesn't happen, at least not in the, spring, in the fall. And now he's back. I don't know. I'm not sure if he ever went. I feel like he probably did, it, um, especially – given the football usually starts practicing in the summer, you would have expected him to move for the summer semester. But I don't really know, yes, to be fair, if he actually went or not. So there's that too. But regardless, from our point of view, he left and came back. I'm sure that's happened before, but I can't recall it ever happening. Yeah, neither can I, but th that's the kind of year it is. Uh, and I'm just glad to see Jared back there. He He's starting to climb that list of all-time Terps. Well, I don't know about all-time Terps, but uh, we can have that discussion another time. Um... On the Lady Terps side for basketball, a couple games happened, although to be fair, they are both a long time ago now. First one, on the same day, this is stupid in my opinion, but on the same day the men traveled, or sorry, Rutgers traveled here to face the men, the Lady Terps head the other way up 95 to play the women. On the, again, the same day, I think it's bizarre and a bit dumb on the travel side, logistics, but that's not my place to say. A game was tied going into the final quarter when the Terps pulled away for a four-point victory, 91-87 over the Scarlet Knights. We saw Mimi Collins scorch the net with uh, 8 of 13 from the field, 22 points, and Diamond Miller with 19 points of her own, pushing the Terps over the top, a high-scoring affair. And then a couple of days later, they take down James Madison, 101-59. to uh, They were supposed to play Ohio State in a big game against number 16, but that was canceled or postponed technically and they will play Penn State on Thursday. Uh, they're doing well. That Ohio State game, of course, is one you really would like to see from the Big Ten title chase perspective, but hopefully we'll get to see it later in the season. Yeah, and that game against James Madison, you know, it might seem kind of light that they won 101-59. to They beat JMU at the buzzer last year. Oh, I actually did not remember that. Good, good memory on that one, Mason. And now to football. We have uh, maybe more news than we'd like today. I don't think so. A long list of transfers, uh, and, and we'll get into it. But first, the list, Marcus Miner, graduate transfer, Johnny Jordan, graduate transfer, Allende Ely, uh, he's another, I believe, graduate transfer, Antoine Richardson has decided to leave the program, Cherokee Glasgow, uh, Lance LeJean, and Taj Capehart. Yeah, and some of those aren't too unexpected. Lance LeJean, for example, I think everybody knew was going to transfer Johnny Jordan and Marcus Miner have been out there for a while, going to Pitt and Virginia Tech, respectively. Yeah, but just kind of getting into this. I, I, I would not be surprised by any of this, Jordan, as you just said. Marcus Miner probably wants to be a right tackle. Maryland turned him into a guard. He's been here for a long, long time. Uh, Johnny Jordan, a guy that we didn't really think was going to play this year, didn't really know if he was ever going to play football again, has had that kind of instance throughout his career. He transfers down to Virginia Tech. Uh, Jafar Williams, who was a coach at Maryland's down there. 
Allende Ely, middle linebacker with Hippolyte in there with um, hopefully maybe they'll pull this last recruiting miracle off and pull in that five-star Terrence Lewis. Uh, and just a long list of guys, Chance Campbell, uh, Fanage Gote. Ely ended up playing Jack linebacker. If he wants any chance at the NFL, he's not a Jack linebacker. He's not a rush end. Uh, so he's off to Georgia Tech. Antoine Richardson was losing playing time to Jordan Mosley this year. He's coming off a big injury. It's probably just time to move on. Uh, Cherokee Glasgow is a guy that I'm really, really surprised about. Loxley giving him a scholarship at the end of the year. Uh, he plays to get some minutes but or, or some snap count, but he probably thinks he's getting recruited over, and he decides to move on, and then you already hit on Lance, and, and Tosh Capehart just never blossomed here. Yeah, none of these are too unexpected when you really think about them. Of course, they aren't fortunate. You'd rather have Marcus Minor, Johnny Jordan, A.C. Ely back, but... As you mentioned, A.C. Ely was the only one that really got me, but when you thought about it, you know, Ruben Hippolyte's probably going to start next year, Chance Campbell. It's not that big a deal. Cherokee Glass, I'd like to keep, but you're bringing in, like, what, seven, eight defensive linemen next season. It's not going to be that big a deal. It's just, nothing's too good. They got one incoming transfer. I'm sure there will be more. Um, but the one they have is Marcus Fleming, wide receiver from Nebraska. He was a big recruit, uh, top 300 in 2020 from Florida, who considered the Terps before going to the Huskers. Only played one game, but caught five catch, sorry, caught five passes for 75 yards. Um, of course, receiver might not be the area you're, you're really like, oh, that's a great position of need. You know, great, he's going to play. You maybe he will. You don't really know though. There's probably it's almost like you maybe wanted any other position but receiver. But hey, talent's talent. Yeah, and I think that's what Loxley brings in. Talent is talent. Uh, Fleming's a guy that they wanted, and they have the opportunity to bring him in. They're going to take it. They're going to continue to build inroads into Florida. I'm not sure if that means that we can be expecting a receiver or two to transfer out of the program, or they just wanted to bring in another guy. Oh, if I had to pick one, I might think Brian Cobb would transfer. Now, if I just had to pick one. I would think the- Daryl Jones would transfer. And, and that goes to show that we're probably not done talking about transfers yet, This, especially in this day and age, with the one-time transfer waiver being implemented starting next year. Um, and then Jake Funk is going to the NFL. We talked about that last episode, but it's worth mentioning when you talk about roster turnover. Who plays running back next year is low-key going to be a story. Uh, I think it's definitely a story. Uh, they don't really have a guy there. They certainly didn't. They certainly don't have what they had the past, I don't even know, five years. Uh, there's going to be a lot of question marks there. Yeah. Penny Boone is – I really like the way he plays, but he's got to cut down a little bit. Isaiah Jacobs just didn't look ready for the moment. Um, they're bringing in a handful of guys, but they're bringing in a lot of specialty backs. Well, one person to consider is Antoine Little. Most people expect to play defensive lineman, but he was Littleton. Littleton, sorry. And most people expect him to play linebacker. Okay, the play play on defense. He did play fullback and running back in high school. Whoa, whoa, whoa. they prom- the way they recruited him though. They wanted to give him a shot at running back. Oh, well, he's gonna get it now for sure. I think he will, but he's just like Boone. He's a big power back. I know, but you just need guys back there at the moment. Um, well, okay. Getting into the scheme of it though, looking at every time Loxley's had success anywhere, there needs to be like a boom running back. I mean, look at the running backs he had at Alabama. Look at the system he's trying to replicate, and look at what we have at running back. You better hope that somebody steps it up and acts like a funk, or you know, Ty John. You know, they need they need they need a lead back. I... And the one thing I gotta say about this last year is I thought the offense was extremely effective when we had a one guy, not four. 
I agree, but I don't think the scheme necessarily demands a single back. I think it works well with it, certainly, but I don't think there's anything in it, from my perspective, that could not work if you rotate running backs. It's I'm diff- not saying you have to do that. I just like the way it worked with it. All right, that, that's fair. Uh, we got a lot of trips in the pros to get to and more stuff after that, so let's keep it moving here. Um, three weeks since we did this, and I apologize to anyone who missed out on it, but we're going to try to catch you up now, starting off with Jermaine Carter Jr. in Carolina. Yeah, started uh, each of the last three weeks, made nearly five tackles a week, played a season-high 80% of the snaps uh, two weeks ago, recovered a fumble and ran for 19 yards against the football team. Yeah, Jermaine Carter carving out a starting role for himself. It's hard to say that he will keep it going forward as Panthers continue to reshuffle their defense after another uh, very poor season on that end of the ball for them. But Jermaine Carter is at the very least getting a shot. Not a three-three-five linebacker, Jordan. Well, there's very few NFL linebackers I think are built for that because it's so rarely run in the NFL. Yeah, but there are certainly a lot of guys out there that don't know how to run that scheme. Carter is not a speed guy. The three-three-five is based on speed. Uh, maybe he sticks in there like single ca- signal caller, run-stopping linebacker. I can see it, uh, but I think Matt Rule is liking Jermaine Carter. Well, he's given the starting role, and hopefully he gets to hold on to it. Byron Cowart in New England has started all three weeks as the Patriots continue to slide. Played 40 to 50% defensive snaps in all three of his weeks and recorded a sack against the Rams three weeks ago. Um, Not having the season maybe you want from him. The whole team's not having the season you wanted out of them. That's also true. Uh, for, for Byron, though, improvement over last year. You know, he's playing games. Uh, he, he's getting better. Uh, I think you can obviously see that. The team is getting worse, but he's getting better. Uh, he may or may not make the team next year, but I think he'll he'll land somewhere for... Uh, I'll give him two more years in the league. All right. I mean, that... Uh, At a minimum. But okay. if he's getting the sacks, you know, uh, things do change. Uh, Sean Davis only recorded one tackle about three weeks ago and has only played special since we last gathered here and did this. Uh, disappointing. Seems to be derailed by injuries, but not what you can do about it. Stefan Diggs, though, has been a whole different story. And Mason, I again, gives you props because you picked this fit immediately. Yeah, big arm quarterback, big, uh, big play wide receiver. He has been on fire Jordan, 130 yards, 147 yards, 145 yards. At least the nine catches every game. Also caught three touchdowns last night against um, the Patriots. Yep, and Stefan now leads the league in receiving yards with 1459. That's 1,459 yards. Very narrow lead. Only like seven yards over Travis Kelsey, who will be the first tight end to lead the league in receiving yards since I don't know when, if he manages to pull it off. I don't think so. Oh, I think the Chiefs are going to rest their players. Um... But uh, regardless, hat tip to him. That's an am- amazing achievement. But Stefan Diggs could end with a receiving title. And it, uh, it's a shame he's in the middle of a contract because he could get a significant raise if he wanted one. Yeah, and, and we'll see how that plays out. We'll see how Buffalo handles their situation because they have a lot of budding players. Uh, Trey Edmonds is on IR. Derwin Gray played 16 snaps at guard against the Bengals two weeks ago. That did not go too well for Pittsburgh. He was released after that and was signed by the Jaguars two days ago. And he's on the active roster for the Jaguars. I believe so. Yeah, um, that was in, that was the first game, night I was back here, actually, in Maryland. And we saw I saw Gray on those, in playing guard. I guess he didn't do well because they did release him right afterwards. Uh, but at least he's proving himself to stick on active rosters this season. Well, the word is they need another linebacker. 
and they had too many offensive linemen, and they decided to cut him. Well, Derwin is going to be a fringe guy unless he really steps up his game. That's just how it's going to be for him. But, hey, fringe guys get paid, too. Uh, J.C. Jackson, someone who I, I thought was going to be a fringe guy, but has turned to a star, has a, had a strong three games, has started all three, and played a super majority of defensive snaps. That is 90% or more. Picked up his eighth interception of the season against the Dolphins two weeks ago and was a monumental Pro Bowl snub. Yeah, I think he might be an all-pro, but not a Pro Bowler. That does happen from time to time. Uh, just not the most popular guy, and that's all the Pro Bowl is about. Yeah, that, I mean, that's, it really is that simple. Yeah, Quentin Jefferson has struggled the last three weeks, uh, three total tackles and one sack. Played 42, 52, and 30%, all those are percentages of snaps. Uh, Ty Johnson's gotten on the field more, 13 carries for 35 yards, six catches for 39. Earned a touchdown in, over the, in the air against the Rams. I do not understand why this man is not getting his chance. He went for 100 yards. The one time he was the lead back. What, why are they running Frank Gore? What does that do for anybody? I think they're just trying to get Frank his stats. I think he got the, the last stats he's going to get, Jordan. He made it over 14,000 yards this last week. No, 16,000 yards. Uh, third most all-time now. And, uh, uh, again, monumental props to him. What, like, one of the best careers I've, we were probably Mason and I are ever going to see at running back. But, yeah, Ty Johnson probably should get, be getting more reps. But yeah. they're winning, so. McFarland is part of that horrible running game in Pittsburgh. Uh, he's gotten on the field a bit more. Eight carries for 29 yards, two catches for 26. He was inactive this last week, though. Uh, DJ Moore has gotten 61, 131, and 37 yards over the last three weeks. He also caught one touchdown uh, last week. Not against the football team, though. Yes. And but he... in the football team game, he picked up two key fumbles. That is true. Um, he was also 10th in receiving yards in the league. Excuse me, with 1,092. Uh, he should, this is the third season, he should be getting his uh, ace receiver paycheck probably next season. Yeah. I'm from Carolina or possibly from someone else down the road. Like the football team. I, I don't think Washington is going to be spending their um, 20,000, sorry, 20 million plus in receiver per season. I don't I don't see it personally, though this is not. Boy, you think DJ Moore is going to get 20 million plus a season? I think it's very possible. He is a game changer. That's how much receivers are getting paid now. I think he fits the scheme, too. And he's a Carolina guy. Jordan, I would not count that one out. Well, he is a Carolina guy. That's a good point. I didn't think about that. Um, but if he does hit free agency, it likely won't be for a couple of years. Um, Yannick Ngakwe finally had an impactful game. Yeah, but it was against Jacksonville. Yes, it was. He netted two sacks against the Jaguars, who will now be held in Trevor Lawrence's uh, draft card in about four months. And Darnell Savage, after a disastrous start to his season, has had a great stretch of games. I know he was hurt, but he was not playing well. Yeah, he set a new career high against the Lions uh, three weeks ago with eight tackles, including a sack, recorded six tackles, and a pass defended the next week against Carolina, and had five more tackles, three pass defenses, and a pick in the snow blowout of the Titans. Josh Woods has also picked up his games, making it at least one tackle the last three weeks. Uh, he's gotten on the field more, especially against Jacksonville for the Bears. They won 41-17. to He got a lot of times. Uh, flip it over to the basketball well, side. I just got to say, since Josh Woods has been playing defense, the Bears have been winning games. I'm just saying. <laughs> he is an athletic linebacker. Flip it over to the basketball side really quickly. Kevin Herter, okay start to the season. 8 of 12 shooting with 21 points three days ago against the Grizzlies, including 4 for 5 from 3. Uh, Fernando, also a strong start, scored 5 points twice. 
uh, this year has been rebounding like crazy. Got 10 boards and no points against the Grizzlies. That's fine. That's all the um, second-tier Splash Bros need. Alex Len for the uh, Tampa Bay Raptors has not played yet this season. Lehman, 10 points, 4 for 8 from the field and three boards a couple of days ago against the Lakers. And Sticks hasn't done much yet. Uh, 20 minutes, 10 of those came in the first game, 4 points, 5 rebounds. Uh, he's being forced to play a lot of center this year uh, because DeAndre Ayton just keeps fouling people. Yes, that is his problem. Um, in terms of the junior splashers, whatever you call it, Atlanta, uh, they may be the better splashers at this point. They're in the second tier splash rows, but also the only splash rows that are playing right Yes, now. as the Warriors have, as we, I'm sure many of us know, have struggled immensely to stay healthy in the last couple of seasons. And will continue to struggle, I assume, as very unfortunate for them, actually. Yeah. I, I didn't like their dynasty, but I didn't want it to end like this. It just it just feels anticlimactic. They they didn't really, they got defeated once. They should have had another loss in there. Well, I find them to be horribly annoying. I don't like them, but I just for such a dominant team, if in our lifetime, it just feels like they just lost one finals and then they just that's just it. Really? That's what they get for signing KD. KD ruins everything, Jordan. Everything. He he won the he won them a title in a sweep. Yeah, but now they're terrible. They could have kept winning without him, but they just had to bring him there, and look what happened now. Well, I can't. I mean, I can't say anybody else would do anything different if they're in the position that they were in. Well, no, I don't. I don't blame them. But sometimes you just uh, you sometimes it's, short... sometimes it's karma. Uh, in sports karma, this is might be it. Well, we've gone 21 minutes without talking about the basketball game, so. Yeah, we should get into that. Uh, we'll start against per- the Christmas Day shooting against Purdue. The Mason and I watched uh, on and off. I assume most people did. Um, but it was an encouraging game, especially when you factor in what happens next. But even at the time, it was encouraging second half. Yeah, it was. And they did not play well in the first half of this basketball game. No, make no mistake about it. Um, in front of a crazy crowd of 250 people in West Lafayette. Purdue really just took it to Maryland. Um, they were the tougher team. They were the more assertive team early on. And really, they were the better coach team throughout the game. When you get into the specifics of it, it's as simple as this. Purdue has a guy that's 7-3 and is a basketball player. Maryland has a guy that's 7-2 and can't seem to figure things out. But he did last night against Wisconsin. Yes, he did. If you really boil it down... Purdue was just a bigger, tougher, meaner team. Uh, Wiggins didn't give Maryland much. Ayala didn't really know where he fit the role. They didn't have... To put it positively, and I know I'm rambling here a little bit, they started playing positionless basketball against Purdue and picked it up against Wisconsin, and if they continually play like that, they will put teams in bad positions in terms of fouls, and they'll be able to win basketball games. Yes. But it looked like they finally dropped the we have a center when we don't. Yes, that's what I was going to say. The difference in that Purdue game, and this is something that I think I'm not going to actually fault Turgeon for too much. I know this is not going to be a popular thing because people really do seem to like to bash him, including myself, but I'm not going to fault him for this, okay? Because you had the last three years, you had Bruno Fernando, who was a dominant post player and a great defensive weapon on as a center. Jalen Smith was a, at least in college basketball terms, an elite player in the post. He, and he could shoot. He could block. He was perfect. He had a perfect college basketball center. 
And then this season, you dropped off a cliff in terms of that. You don't have any real inside presence, and it's hard for the staff to adjust to say that we don't have that guy. Dante Scott's a gr- really good player, so is Jarris Hamilton, but they're not centers. And eventually, they figured out they figured that out, and they started using them like they should have been used probably the whole time, which is in a fluid NBA-style switch-everything-and-shoot-everything position. And that's what Mason's alluding to happened in, in the second half of Purdue yeah, but I don't. I, I don't get how you can say you can't blame him. How can you not blame him, Jordan? I think the it, guy's getting paid money to figure this thing out. I agree, but also you look at, look at the context on this. You're in the Big Ten. This is a center-centric lead league. This is something we were saying too. That's why you can't really. That's why I don't think you can blame him. But you can. Let me finish my sentence, please. You are in this league where everybody all the time is telling you, you need a center. If you don't have a center, you're not going to win a game. You're not going to get a rebound. You're going to lose 80 to nothing every game. That's essentially the idea. Well, I don't think so. Cutting against the grade on that in this conference is a ballsy move. Really, it is. And if you're going to stick with it, I'm even curious if they're going to stick with it because it's really against the grade. For, and I keep saying that because it's a big deal. You're No one else plays like that in the entire conference. Nobody else has played like that in one. Yes, which means if you do this, if you commit to this, which I think you should, at least try, you're going to be fighting the odds, and you're going to get killed if it doesn't work. But I also think that you're wrong in a way, in a sense. Maryland played with a zero center and won a lot of games with DeMonte Dodd. Yes, but they still had the center. They still had the option. You could say you And I guess the- they had Tchaikovsky as a backup, and Tchaikovsky right now would be starting. And probably. I feel like that's one of the biggest shames of the Mark Turgeon era is the fact they never really worked him in after he shut down Frank Kaminsky and never played again. Um, There's a lot to it. I do really think – I agree with some things that you're saying, but at the same time and – and you're right, it may take some time. There may be something to it. He's got to know that Galen Smith is, is, isn't the real deal. He had to know that when he recruited Galen Smith. In, in Galen Smith's defense, I thought he played okay against Wisconsin. I guess from let's just wrap up the Purdue game before we really get into this. Um, they played well in the second half. They sw- they went positionless essentially. They started switching. They started playing Smith, and they really didn't use a center, and it worked. It burned Purdue a lot, and especially in the second half. The second half, like the last ten minutes, um, it looked like they were going to win for a minute down the stretch. Yeah, but they never really had it. No, they really never. It never felt like they were going to win. It kind of looked like it, but you never had the feeling. But Mason even had Christmas. Um, a smaller Christmas, granted, but even at Christmas, was irate with the last play of the game. Yeah, of course I am. I mean, and Jordan's watching a lot of games with me, and it doesn't matter what sport it was. Somebody's got to want it. Somebody has got to be the guy. And I've been saying that for a long time with this team. They don't have the guy. They haven't identified who that is. But nothing, and I mean nothing, Showed it more than that last sequence. You gotta be kidding! You trying to draw a foul in the last on the last shot of the game. Now I like Eric Ayala. I like Eric Ayala. I think he's a fantastic person. He's always been very very nice. And I'm not attacking him personally in any way. But why in the hell are you trying to get a foul? Shoot the ball. You've seen Melo do it. You've seen well. You didn't really see Melo do it. You've seen Anthony Cowan do it. Well, you did see Melo do it. He had he had that shot against Michigan State then. No, no, no. His no. Career. But I was saying he wasn't on the team. What? Oh, when Ayala was okay. Ayala and Melo never overlapped. Is what you meant? Yeah. Okay, my bad. 
He saw Cowan do it. He saw Sticks do it. He's got to know that he's got to be that guy. That ball's got to be shot true. And it was a poor coaching. I mean, it really was. And I, and I don't really mean to bash Turgeon all the time, but but that's just what it boils down to. He's got to figure out that without Cowan and without Trimble, without Suleiman, without Kevin Herter, nobody is just going to stand back there, dribble around, and yeet a three up there, and it's going to go in. It's just not going to happen. Aiello's close, but he's not that guy. He's not that player. They don't have that player. They certainly seemingly wish they do, and they kind of did last night, but it doesn't come from one guy. It came from the entire team. It took the entire team to win that basketball game last night. It's not one guy, and at the end of the game, you have to design something that's going to get Hamilton from his spot, Wiggins from his spot, on a rip curl or a straight-up three from Aiello, where he's just got to shoot it, and there's got to be a high ball screen off of it. I think they went back, they looked at that, they made the proper adjustments if they won the next basketball game, and that's really what matters with this team. Yes, and that brings us to this next game. Uh, Maryland pulls off a monster upset, a needed win if there ever was one, over number 6 Wisconsin on the road, in quotes. Um, but still, on the road, they had a huge win. A game I honestly wasn't super keen on watching. I know Mason really wasn't going into it either, but it turned into a fantastic, and I do mean when I say this, a fantastic effort by this team. When Jordan says not keen on watching, though, it doesn't mean I didn't want to watch the game. I just didn't think I was going to like what I saw. But I certainly did. I certainly did. It didn't start off great, but it certainly finished great. Well, I'd actually say it did start off great. From the jump, this team was, they were there. They were engaged. They wanted to play hard, and they did. Even Galen Smith, who only played... 11 minutes in the game, but he was a fantastic energy guy. He got on it early. He was rebounding. He was playing hard defense. Their defense rotations and the switches, they were on point from the get-go. Like, I, it's rare I've ever seen this Maryland team so locked in like this under Turgeon. They were really knew that knew Wisconsin was better than them. I don't, I don't think they're more talented, but they were playing better than them. They knew they were what, supposed to lose by, like, 10. I, I don't remember what the spread actually was, but it was something like that. It was 10. And they were out there. They cleaned up a lot of the mistakes they made last game. They played positionless almost the entire game. They were making free throws, which is a huge thing. We didn't talk about that against Purdue. They missed like 15 free throws in that game. I believe nine. They missed enough to make a big difference. Yeah. And then Wisconsin did in this game. Yeah, they did. Which I guess is that's one of those that comes back to you in the end. Um, the entire, like I said, the entire team was locked in. Chol got two fouls in three minutes, but still, he almost he made what looked like a three when he shot it. It wasn't in the end. Aquan Smart played good defense, so we took two shots, but still, Reese Mona uh, struggled when he played. But no one bagged the team down. Ayala Wiggins, who struggled this season, Dante Scott was out there. They changed the game. They were playing with effort, intensity. Aaron Wiggins cut into the basket like I've rarely seen him do. It's almost like I have nothing but good things to say. With the team we have, that's the type of effort it's going to take to win these games. And I hope they realize that. I don't think they will, but I hope they do. Aaron Wiggins played basketball like a man, which was something. You know, he just wasn't a sharpshooter. He took it. He got nine rebounds. Yeah, and, that, and that's what I meant. You know, he, he was in there. He was playing super hard. That's the kind of basketball I think he can play at this point. He's not great. Um, but as long as guys aren't zeros, they have a good chance to win. They just have to play like this. And, and playing like this is extremely hard. And what I mean when I say playing like this is being active. You know, knowing it's going to take everything that I got for the next 40 minutes to win the game. And we might win. You might play like that and lose like you did the other night. 
But coming out there with effort and passion makes people happy to watch this team. And I think that's important because people had had it with these guys. I had had it with these guys. I was tired of watching them. I felt like they were sorry. That's not what Maryland basketball was about. But they played with a ton of effort, uh, a ton of heart, and they came out on top. Now, it doesn't get easier from here. They play Michigan next. Uh, but this conference is a hell of a, is a hell of a gauntlet. Yes, it is. And Michigan next is not going to be easy. But now you have faith that you can do it. You, I don't. I think this team believes in itself now. Maybe it didn't before, but it certainly does now. There were some great plays in that game down the stretch. The entire second half of that game was fantastic basketball to watch. Dante Scott's dunk over Wisconsin kind of the basket was something. I think at least I was waiting on him the entire game. I was watching Reavers cover him, and I was just I got the feeling like he can't cover him. He's going to get dunked on. Dante Scott's faster than he is. And he eventually did it. He went in there. He dunked over three Wisconsin players. Do you see Darren Marcel's face after that dunk, Mason? Yeah, man. I saw the whole team light up. And that's that's something that you got to take and, and and like. Is that the whole team was really energized about this. They all wanted it. And, you know, props to them for believing in themselves. Because I know people on the outside don't. But that's Maryland. You know, that's Maryland under Turgeon. Just enough. Every once in a while, they turn it on. And you see how good they can really be, and then a lot of times they fall off a cliff the next game. But we'll see what happens this time. It's a different year. Yes, it is, and you can't overstate the fact there's no one guy again. We've said this a few times now. There's no mellow. There's no ant. There's no sticks. It's going to take a full team to win. Eventually, you're going to have some great stand-up performances. Dante Scott already had some. So is Eric Ayala. Aaron Wiggins, had. you could kind of say, had one today. But... It's not going to be one guy every night. Jairus Hamilton, someone else um, we need to mention, got four fouls in this game. A great skill player still, and someone who might turn into a star in this team once he figures out the league more. But at the very least, he's a great talent. I see Mason shaking his head. Yeah, I, I don't believe in the development of basketball players in this program. And that's that's a fair assessment to have at this point. I think he's a really good player for the system, though. Yeah, he is, and he fits. If you're gonna let's go back to it now, you're gonna play this fluid. You're not gonna play center. You're gonna play pocket positionless. Everybody's gonna shooting, rebounding. Defensively, we got to talk about that. They use the zone a lot. That made a difference in the game. It's gonna work, and he fits that scheme. But he's not a center. Yeah, I, I like what they did on defense from a schematic standpoint. I like the press to the zone. That's a classic Maryland basketball look. The other thing that I didn't like, but understood as far as the scheme, was they don't crash at all. They have no offensive rebounding expectation. No, and that, uh, that's fair, as you kind of allude to, because they don't have the guys to do it. But in a game against a huge team, the ball was flying over people's heads, and they weren't there to get it. Well, they, when you play the press, you can't really crash like that. You have to get back. You have to set up the zone the way they do it. If you're playing 2-2-1, two, two, you need to get the one at least and the two back there. Maybe the two, first you guys can crash if they want to. Maybe, but even that's a bit of a risk. Yeah, I don't know. I just I think that there's ways there's ways that they can tweak what they were doing. I hope they stick with it. Again, I based on what we've seen from lineups, from scheme, from all this stuff over the years, I'm not even sure if you'll ever see them play like this again. I hope we commit to this because I think it worked. Of course, once you get but what do you do with Galen and Scholl then? They're gonna have to be alternates. You're gonna have to change what you're doing for them. You're probably gonna have to switch to a man. Yeah, and eventually they're gonna need to. Somebody's going to break this. Of course. That's the risk you play with zone. And press, for that matter. And Galen Smith, again, played well. He did what he was supposed to do. He created energy. Got some rebounds. Didn't foul. 
uh, Chol played okay. Hakeem Hart, even though he played 24 minutes and scored five points, he was playing hard. Yeah, they got something out of some guys that they don't usually get. Hakeem Hart and Aaron Wiggins are the two guys. Uh, but I think they're they got some guys that are tough. Aquan Smart, Galen Smith, Dante Scott. They just got to get that same energy out of guys that they did in this game, like Hamilton, Hart. Um, there are Marcel still brings it every night. We didn't even talk about him. Yeah, Marcel brings it. Marcel makes some bad plays, though. Yeah, he, he made some mistakes in this game. He got three turnovers, uh, two fouls. And those were some loud turnovers, though. He certainly felt them. Uh, he's a senior. He can't be making those mistakes. But still, I mean, still probably my favorite player on the team. Yeah, I, I'm... I'm pleased, but I see the flaws. And a lot of the flaws are year-over-year development. That's just not happening. I would agree. And I think it's a real shame in some ways because this team, not to say that it's done for them. Again, the other day on my solo podcast, if you listen to every episode, and remember to subscribe on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts, uh, I said I got to hold out judgment on these guys for just a little bit longer. And I st- I'm going to stick with the same thing now. When they lost to Rutgers, I said it now. You, we've seen both sides of it. Which team's going to emerge? Which one's going to continue to play the games and step up? Because you can certainly lose like you lost the last couple of games. But how you can continue this winning spirit and the winning effort to play basketball, again, we got to see. But it's another challenge. Yes, it is, and let's briefly look ahead towards the Wolverines. You play Michigan on New Year's Eve at 7 o'clock. If the people go in that game, I would hate it, but there's not, so, you know, whatever. Uh, people. Yeah, often... but from there on, I mean, just talking about it. They play Michigan, they play Indiana, they play Iowa, they play Illinois. That's a hell of an opportunity. Yes, there's four ranked teams in there, which are Michigan, Iowa, and Illinois. Iowa's looking pretty good. They have a big game tonight against Northwestern, though. Tune into that if you're interested to see how this Big Ten season might shape out. Um, Indiana's playing them? Or Michigan? No, uh, Northwestern's playing Iowa tonight. Okay. And Northwestern's number 17, uh, sorry, number 19 against all odds. Um, I don't know what to make of that, but we'll have to see how they do tonight. I'm not too worried about Michigan as much as I am Iowa, but we're not going to look too far ahead. Hunter Dickinson is definitely the player to watch just because he's a center for Michigan. He's done well on the boards, eight re- rebounds per game. Uh, but they still have Isaiah Livers, for those who remember, Franz Wagner, uh, sorry, Franz Wagner, brother of Mo Wagner, as a, a guard, actually. But they're a guard-heavy team, and that might play to our advantage, but Hunter Dickinson, seven feet tall from Alexandria. Actually, I didn't know that until now. Uh, 15 points and eight boards a game. He's going to be someone. Now we can see how this works, because Wisconsin's got some guys, but again, I guess uh, Nate Reavers is the closest thing to what they have for a real center, and he's a 6'10 skinny dude. This is seven feet tall, 255. Let's see how this works, against how we do against this. Um, but Mason, I can see in your face, you're not too optimistic about this. Well, I, I don't know how it plays out. Again, I don't know. I have no, I don't really have any insight in it. What I'll tell you is, they'll look at that matchup and go away from what they're doing, because that's the kind of team they are. I don't think, I don't know if they will. They, what I would do, what I would do, and I'm not the coach, I've only coached, like, seven-year-olds before, so I'm not going to say I pretend I'm an expert on this. I would consider double teaming specifically because you're in the zone already you have this maybe you throw some extra looks at them and yeah, try to force some extra turnovers i mean jordan you were sitting with with me while we were watching the game last night i was screaming for them to double reaver sometime yeah but you don't have to because he reaver but, but no, no 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 not because he's a threat to do anything he's a 
victory for you to hit because he'll turn the ball over. They don't do that kind of thing. They got to play assertive. What they lack is, and this is the thing that I cannot stand the most, and that's why I really like what Loxley's doing right now. They don't expose teams. Everything they do is based off of what you do, not what I do best. If I were them, given the tape that we have on ourselves from this year, I would analyze that and say, we have to do this. And this being, we have to play positionless basketball. What I think they'll do is look at the other guys and say, well, Yalen, we need 40 minutes out of you, buddy. Maybe. They've just lacked that. But maybe things change. You know, it's a different set of assistants. It's a different year. We'll see. I, I hope. But a guy like Dickinson, um, he can pose a lot of problems against you. But then again, Maryland's played a lot of good centers throughout Turgeon's years. I don't think a center has really beat them. But we, for the most part, during Turgeon's era, we've had good d- big men. Diamond Stone, you had. You had Bruno Fernando. You had Jalen Smith. I know we've had more before before this, and I'm not thinking of them at the moment. Alex, Alex Lenn. There we go. Oh, Tchaikovsky. I mean, they had a ton of guys that could just play. At least, yeah, they could at least function on the floor. Demonte this, Dodd. This is Demonte Dodd. That's another one. See, I'm just blanking right now. This is the first season. This is which is why it's so interesting. I think to a lot of people, this is the first season they don't really have a big man. And I know Troll's on the roster, and he's actually making some progress. We'll see how that goes. Um, Galen Smith's not awful, but there's no one. He there's no in the top seven guys. There's no big men, and that changes how this works. I think that's what's so interesting from a basketball perspective this season, and see how they handle this in this Big Ten in the big men centric Big Ten, and this is your first test on that. And let's see how it goes. For real, this is your first test. I know Purdue had some of the cause problems until we went positionless, because that worked against that. Hunter Dickinson's better. He scores, he rebounds, he blocks. Let's see how it goes. I think that's the only I think that's a good place to leave it. Michigan hasn't lost yet this season. They're number sixteen. Mason, how do you think we're gonna do against Wolverines? I think they lose. Uh, I just do. Not by very much, but they'll lose this game. Now, I'm more optimistic as far as the season, but I think it's going to take some time for them to hone in whatever scheme they want to run. I'm holding out judgment for the entire season. I don't still think it's a well-run machine at the moment, and they really need to fix that quickly because a lot of teams have it figured out. Yes, they do. We'll have to leave it there. Um, worth noting, Fox Sports didn't have us in the bracket in the last in the first bracket top run of the season. Let's earn our way back into it. They haven't played anybody. Well, they have now, and they've won. Let's earn our way back into their bracket, and I think that'll do it for today. Yeah, so do I. As always, we'd like to thank our sponsors, Viner, Four Gates, and Rockville. If you're looking for a business IT team that understands what it takes to run a small business in 2020 and 2021, Viner, Four Gates is a reliable expert team located right here in Maryland, offices in Lutherville and Rockville, covering the entire area. You can reach us today at 877-797-8776 or on the web at the number one viner.com. And Allied Party Rentals for all of your party rental needs. Allied, your place to go. The local experts on it serving the entire D.C. Baltimore area. Visit them at alliedpartyrentals.com. And as always, thanks for listening.